Welcome to Interviews with Innocence, a podcast about spirituality, consciousness, and exploring the wisdom our children bring into this world. I believe that our very young children are our greatest teachers. After all, they're the masters of living in the present moment, bubbling in unconditional love, enjoying the messiness of life, and curious about the universe in all its dimensions. The pure essence that young children exhibit lives within all of us. My hope is that these interviews will help us discover, embrace, and connect with the sacred core of childhood that resides within each of our hearts. I am your host, Marla Hughes. As promised, I would like to share a very short story of, um, from an interview that I did with Eva Goulette and the Dancing Jaguar Inspirations. Um, This is from camps that she conducts with children, teaching them how to use um, their intuition and spiritual guidance and tools. And so enjoy. One of the most popular days at Dancing Jaguar Spirit Camp is when we teach children how to discover their power animal through a process called shamanic journeying. And on this particular day, an eight-year-old child was having difficulty finding her power animal. So I offered to do a journey on her behalf. And when I did that, I came back with the essence of a starfish, which was very unusual. Um, And I asked my spirit helpers why starfish was so important for this child. And I was told that when a starfish loses one of its appendages, it will grow back and it has the ability for self-healing. And that this particular child was experiencing a lot of emotional trauma and she needed to have starfish medicine. Well, I couldn't imagine how I would explain that to an eight-year-old. So I asked my spirit helpers for support in sharing that information with her and As I explained to this eight-year-old child what I discovered and learned about her power animal, she started patting her cheeks and just saying, oh my God, oh my God, you have no idea how big this is. Oh my God, oh my God, this is so incredible. And she's just sobbing these tears of joy. And I, you know, offered plenty of space for her to be able to share more and she opted not to. So when she stopped crying and felt um, able to, we went back and joined the rest of the spirit campers. But when her dad came to pick her up that day, I wanted to share that with him because her response had been so huge. And when I did, he said, I understand why this is so important to her. She's just coming to terms with the fact that she feels like she's a boy trapped in a girl's body and you just gave her hope. And I said, I didn't do anything. This is all from spirit. This is her power animal, one of her spirit helpers. And it, it's a starfish. And that is why starfish is with her as her power animal. And he said that he was so moved by what spirit camp provided for his child, that emotional support that she needed, that um, he and his wife ended up redecorating that child's room and bringing in a starfish theme to the room so she could always be surrounded by hope, knowing that she had the ability to heal herself. 
Today, I am super excited to have Teresa Frank on the show. Teresa is a journey woman of the sacred. Her life has been filled with a deep curiosity and desire to remember herself and others back to wholeness. Through study, story, time with nature, ritual, and practice, she has braided a basket of tools that she pulls from in her work as an ordained minister of walking prayer with the Center for Sacred Studies and her almost two decades as an integrative body worker. As a mother and householder, she utilizes her tools of daily and seasonal ritual to bring her back into the magic and luminosity of the ordinary. As long as she takes breath, her basket will grow, continue to grow, as will her desire to assist in bringing people deeper into their whole heart. Welcome to the program, Teresa. Thanks, Marla. What a beautiful bio. Oh, I love that. You know, I'm working a lot with the ritual now. Um, maybe we can talk a few minutes about it after we, um, after our interview, but it's just so important to bring back into, into the world today. I think it's something that we're kind of missing. And you and I are fortunate because we spent a lot of time in Telluride and it seems like there's a community there that loves ritual and ceremony, but, and you're part, you're definitely part of that community. So so gosh, let's just jump back right in and talk about Teresa Frank. <laughs> talk about you. Tell us how you began down this this beautiful spiritual path. Probably upon my first breath. <laughs> yes, yes. Um yeah, I've just been lo- like in love with spirit. Um my dad and mom were very involved in the Catholic religion. And my dad is actually now a practicing deacon in the Catholic church. So my life revolved around um, a lot of ceremony in that way, going to church. Um, They would bring priests to our house for dinner and private ceremony. Um, I went through the whole rites, the, um, just, you know, each, each step of first communion, confirmation and everything but um I played ceremony with my 11 year old friend Laura and we used to uh do like the blood sisters we would make white robes and make ceremony and I always thought ceremony was this big decorative thing and used chalices and robes and had this massive transformation and it just felt so fun and so good to me because it was a place that felt comfortable to me going when the ceremony was open at church I would experience angels and I could feel the spirit of other things coming into the church and I would look around and see this you know, just some people looked turned off and I'm like, do you see what's going on here? Mm -hmm. And when I would spend time on retreats um, in that vein of being at a church, I would be in the church by myself alone after hours. And so much would come to me at that time. And so I just started to cultivate that. And thanks to my parents sending me to a Catholic camp, or a Christian camp, I first really met Jesus um, in a more friend way under an aspen tree 
in the forest and they said, you know, go out on your own journey into the forest and have a conversation with Jesus. And it was a whole new way of experiencing the sacred uh, that felt really good and right to me. Um, a lot, I had a lot of dream time at that time in my life where I would meet these councils in my sleep. And, at, and for me, it scared me because I didn't understand who these adults were that were coming to visit me. And I thought they were coming into my home and they were having counsel in the living room. So I'd go wake my parents up and be like, there's all these people in our house. And my dad would be like, no one's here. No one's here. So um, after building that relationship with Jesus in that way, I had this friend who guided me and was always there with me through those times of fear. And now I see Jesus in a bit of a different way than how I was taught in the Catholic religion. But honestly, Jesus and Mary and those symbols of um, saints and goddesses are really uh, prevalent to the, today. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's really beautiful because a lot of people um, feel that they really have to leave their religion. I hear about Catholicism a lot. And I'm not really Catholic anymore, which, which is absolutely, absolutely fine. But it's so beautiful how you've embraced it for what it what it gave to you, the symbols, the ceremony, the ritual. And I remember someone having a, I think it was Peter Panagor, having um, a profound near-death experience. And he went to a mentor and asked, you know, what should I do about spirituality and about this and that, was trying to find himself. And he said to him, go back to your roots, go back with what you were raised with, and use it in the way that you can, not that you're, even though your beliefs have changed, because then it will, it will be so much less difficult and for you to be able to go down this path. So that's, that's really beautiful. So did your parents, when you would have these dreams and go in and talk to them about it, were they validating? Did you feel shut down or did you, or did you feel like it was, it was validated for you? Um, Unfortunately, it wasn't validated. Yeah. Um, and so I, I kept telling myself that they were just bad dreams, you know, or they were just um, bad, bad people, you know, mm -hmm. that were um, coming to me and they were adults. So as a kid coming to try to talk to me and they were strange looking people. So I thought they were all burglars. <laughs> right. Right. Wow. Um, and my parents were just like, you know, they they are trying to sleep. They're trying to rejuvenate and their child's waking them up every night. Saying, I'm scared again. They're back. You know, so I just, um, I would stay up most nights and, you know, go in and out of these states and I would sleep on the outside of their door so I could at least hear their breath because I didn't, I started to learn not to wake them up or I'd sleep on my sister's floor just to have another person nearby. Wow. Interesting. So how, how did that then evolve? You were a, a child and you had all these experiences, which I find many light, I'll call, call them or us light workers do have these experiences as children. Some do, some, some don't, but um, how did it evolve from there as you got older and, and so 
Yeah, I mean, that really, I lost the vision. So I don't really see much anymore, but I have these really profound um, feelings. Like everything is feeling sense for me. And that's what I use in my body work and in my, in counseling others. Um, it's just what comes to me and learning how to trust what messages I'm bringing and throw it out there. There's some weird things that have come to me and body work sessions and I'll say it and I'll have the person on the table in tears. And so uh, one of the biggest teachings when I stepped on the path of the Lakota tradition is to, they talk about being a hollow bone, mm -hmm. like the eagles, the eagle bones are these hollow bones that they whistle during Sundance ceremony. And I really envision that. And you can feel this channel of, you know, I always really try to go in and um, unclog my bone <laughs> and allow that spirit to flow through me from above and coming up from below. And when I can feel that connection and that clear um, tube of light, then I feel that I'm ready to work with somebody. So just being that hollow bone where whatever spirit wants to fill me with can come through. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. yeah. So before you started body work, I mean, have you always done this kind of work or what did you do as a young you know, as a younger person? Um, my fascination was with film and video. And I realized now that it was story that I was in love with mm -hmm. and storytelling and the tradition of storytelling. And I love hearing people's stories. So Marla, we were talking before this about how sometimes it's really uncomfortable to be the one interviewed as I am always the one interviewing others or asking them about their story. It's very odd for me to be on, in this seat. Um, I just am fascinated what people have to teach me through how they're choosing to be in life and the many ways that we that we get to walk in this world. So um, that led me to a degree in film production and then environmental education. I wanted to tell the story of the indigenous people of the earth and the environment and um, teach children about that using multiple avenues. So I have a degree in environmental ed and in um film production and that's what brought me to tell you right is I was filming a documentary on your relationship to your food and living up on Tompton farm in a teepee so and that's what brought the healer out in me that was always just a hobby so, mm -hmm. yeah. and how did that how did that happen how did that healer how did it bring it out in you um when you spend that much time on the earth uh, I'm learning from the plants and from the soil. And I, it was my first experience living in a teepee. And there's, it, that is, it was such a sacred time of being so close to the wind and the sound that the wind made like a drum on my teepee. And you can hear the breath of the deer outside because it mm -hmm. was only separated by canvas. And so I would have so many beautiful moments just in that space. And then I was filming people, but also being an intern on this farm. 
Uh, I wanted to get the best capture of what it's like to be a volunteer or a farm intern or a farmer for that matter and get their story. And uh, I was taught about the plant, uh, the spirit of the plants and then how to make medicine from all these beautiful plants like the osha root. And I started learning how to honor these um, plant spirits and then make medicine. And that's really what started to spark this desire to go deeper with healing first with plants. And then I did, uh, I think a Reiki master came to Telluride and I took my fir first Reiki, did Reiki one and two mm -hmm. and started to work with more energy. Um, and that felt a lot better than being behind technology and around the technology. It's almost like nature pulled me away from that like took me away from the camera and made me just be in the world so I don't know interesting yeah. so I know in your bio um you talk about you have been ordained or and you are an ordained minister of walking prayer with mm -hmm. the center for sacred studies can can you tell us a little bit about that sure um one of the most influential people in my life is this woman Jyoti. She brought together the 13 indigenous grandmothers. Yes, I've seen that film. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So she's a beautiful woman who um, heeded a call to her community and she brought together all the matriarchs of different traditions, wisdom traditions in the world. So grandmothers from Africa and Nepal and Canada and America and South America all holding their own medicine bundles and she wanted to bring them together um together for in prayer and have them do their particular prayer for the world and all of the worlds or whatever their tribe was working with including everything that was going on in the world so um i first got pulled in to this <laughs> wow sorry i have to backtrack a little bit okay. um my husband is, he was getting his degree in transpersonal psychology and he had a retreat to go to out in Palo Alto, California. And I went with him and Jyoti was teaching at this retreat. And I had just gotten back from Peru and had a very strong experience at working with some medicine down there. And it jolted me a bit. And I met Jyoti. And the first time I met her, I was like, I, you know, you could just feel when you're in the presence of a teacher. And she said, I'm starting this new program. It's called the ministry, the ministry of walking prayer. And it's through the 13 indigenous grandmothers. And we're going to do a two year program um, where you will be in an ordained minister. And we will use each of the grandmothers as part of the modules and the teachings. And so we were learning from their wisdom traditions along with the traditions of Stanislav and Christina Groff and their work with um, breath, holotropic breath work and then some trans transpersonal psychology. And it was just such this interwoven program that for the first time spoke to me because it wasn't just Christianity or it wasn't just like the Lakota tradition. It felt so all encompassing that um, I was the first part of the first class of this so this was their pilot program 
And it included us going to a lot of the gatherings of the grandmothers. And so I was there as um, a minister in training and we would help the grandmothers set up ceremony and witness them in their ceremony and um, learn and create community along with uh, uh, personal practice and um, learning with through the modules throughout the year. And then we would all meet for retreats um, once a year for 10 days as a group. And wow. Practices. Is that yeah. still going on? It sounds like it is. I would think would, do. you would really love it. Oh, wow. Really powerful. That just sounds amazing. Yeah. So when you um, started your body work, because I know that's, that's what you do yeah. a lot of in Telluride. Can you tell us a little bit how all of this interweaves together the intuition and, and the energy, which of course totally goes together and your background with, you know, the grandmothers and working at the center of sacred studies and how does it just all come together for you? What, what does it look like? Okay. So I accidentally fell into body work. Um, it was a prerequisite to do the somatic psychology program at Naropa. Mm -hmm. And so I was working on my prerequisites for that program, which I decided to do when I lay down my, my video camera. <laughs> uh, I'm like, I'm going into somatic therapy and I also want to do healing work. Uh, I, I dabbled in Hakomi down, um, in New Mexico. Mm -hmm. Um, and Hakomi is, is kind of a somatic therapy. It's working with people's story in their body, uh, which a story can be referred to as trauma, but there are all these little stories that create who we are. And I started, I, so I did massage school and um, met a girl in the first place that I was working with that had just graduated from the Naropa program. And she was massaging with me. And I was like, well, wait a minute. So you just did this really amazing program and you're massaging. And she's like, nobody really wants a somatic therapist. And so that's when I was like, I can put this together myself. And that's why I decided to go to the Center for Sacred Studies. And I started studying with different teachers. And honestly, I just started out in the spa world working at the we spot in in Uray, which had the vapor caves down there and they gave me total freedom to kind of do what I wanted so I would be saging people and I was a little bit more um, ceremonial in my first few years until I um, got into some spas that are like you can't be burning sage at this point down our clients you know so I pulled back a little bit of that and started to just um started to feel through the body and the more I trusted myself and what I was doing the more things just manifested themselves and I also had a lot of teachers and added a lot of different modalities, um, including like Thai. And then I worked with Montak Chia's work. He does like this very like chi energy healing work. Um, 
amongst like some rolfing material and there's there's a larger component to that and then studied homeopathy with Christopher for a while and they just all fit together because someone doesn't come to the massage therapist necessarily just for a massage it's I think that when I when I go to my psychologist I edit myself a little bit but when you're being that vulnerable on a table you really it's a really great opportunity to go deeper with someone and ask them questions like oh I'm I might find something on the body it's like what's this like have you had a sensation of sadness in your life recently and they'll just like they're like how do you know what's you know and they start to if they're willing to talk then we we go there but I don't um I might ask questions and if they feel you know if they just want to be quiet and calm I do energy work in that space and I I don't jump in mm-hmm. but most of my sessions we have a lot of um conversation and interaction in that way I don't know if that answered your question yeah yeah it did so Teresa how has all this work you know I think listeners sometimes or this is how I would be thinking you know or what I would be thinking what could I do for myself to open myself up and and dive more deeply probably not quite as deeply as you have but to um you know, to experience some of this beautiful, beautiful energy. But first, my question is, how has, how have you, Teresa Frank, changed in all of this, in this journey? Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's a big question because I keep changing. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, tell um, us about that. I know you're kind of been a I think the whole world, everyone's in a transformation right now. So yeah, yeah. If you, if you feel like sharing, can you just, because I I think that many times, you know, people go down this path, a teacher like you, and you've had all this experience and all this light and all, it's like, how can they grow anymore? Of course we all can. So um, do you want to share just a little bit about, about that? So honestly, I have still trepidation about teaching. Um, I like to teach one-on-one more than anything. Um, and and teaching what? Teaching? Um, just uh, doing, I've asked to, you know, I've, lead it, I've led um, women's groups in, in the past. And then I've asked, I've been asked by clients, hey, would you host a retreat? I don't know, whatever you do, just do it in a retreat. And I was like, <laughs> really gonna have to figure that one out right right. that's kind of what I'm um it's the process of life so I'm I'm just in my 46th walk on this earth so mm-hmm. it's that midlife um okay so you've 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 gotten you're collecting all these tools and these things are happening but now how can you um really step into this next phase which um, I'm not quite crone and I'm not, there's another level um, of mother into crone. They're actually adding a more, another step in between that. Um, but the wise, the wise elder is, is coming to me. And um, so I haven't quite fit that suit on, yes. um, but in the, I, I think motherhood was the biggest transformation I had 
from my first awakening, I would call it, was um, actually through yoga and a teacher of mine in Denver when I was in film school. Um, and then that was this just dreamy, like, wow, this stuff is so cool and amazing. I was learning about, you know, um, sacred pipes and, and drums and, you know, doing all this, these ceremonies and yoga. And I was just more in this, this awe state. And then I started to turn into the ceremony, taking me into my shadow self and going through some phases of, of growth in a different way. And then motherhood <laughs> really takes you to through a, a very big threshold of looking at yourself so honestly that um, my daughter is, I, I get to witness myself through each stage she's going through. Mm -hmm. And yet I'm this adult, like really taking in all of these steps and um, um cleaning up I guess some his some past and not necessarily cleaning up but polishing and now my my stones are gems you know and so it's it's an emergence is really all it is and I'm not quite all my my stones aren't polished yet <laughs> all right so so segueing to children which we always do in this show with all of your experience and what you've learned and your experience as a child not being validated, even though it sounds like your parents were, you know, wonderful people and, and no judgment there. I mean, a parent, we all do the best we can. Um, but what, how do you feel that we can bring these sorts of ritual ceremonies, energy, validation into a child's life to help them gain gain an inner, inner strength and in knowing that there's, you know, that's, there's, there's something bigger than them that can help them during life's struggles. Mm, there's so many beautiful ways and it really depends on your child. Um, my husband and I both are, he's more of a Buddhist practitioner. And then I, I still go to Christian church every once in a while and um, walk the road of the Lakota tradition mostly, but I wouldn't call myself anything. And my daughter, we thought she would be way into all of this stuff and want to meditate with us and do ceremony. And um, it's not necessarily the case. And so I try to bring these things in when there's doorways and so I call them my daily like my daily little daily rituals and when I find the opportunity with her like if she's had a rough day at school and she's working with some friendship things and if I have a candle out I'll be like should we should we burn this stuff and so we'll get like toothpicks and we'll blow it on to the toothpick and she'll burn it um the other day She's really struggled with nighttime fears as well. Mm -hmm. um, and I found a stone from my altar and it was this beautiful white stone. And I was like, did you know that somebody really special to me gave me this? And when they gave it to me, they said, this stone will create uh, an auric field, a big balloon around you of protection. 
and it's got the shimmery gold essence on the outside of it but you have to keep it kind of close to you and it you'll be inside that balloon and if there's any force whether it's seen or unseen that comes in to bother you in the, at night they won't even notice you they'll just get blinded by the shimmery gold and so she's like really mom that's been on the altar this whole time and so i i give it to her and that sweet girl is carrying that like every night where's the stone mom where's the stone and it's just so we just insert these small rituals um habits of prayer and um just they they just come to us like even now she's starting to do her own little mini rituals because when i've actually tried to put her in um this Waldorf group that does ritual and ceremony. She's like, no, no, I don't want to do that. You know, it's, I've taken her to Sundance ceremony and now she doesn't want to go anymore. Um, and I'm not going to force her. Sometimes she comes to sweat lodge and we'll go, we'll sit in um, for a round and the support of that community has been beautiful. They just love and adore her and bring her into the circle. And um, so she's, She's dancing with all of these things and we're allowing her to guide us in how she wants to know things and know the world. But all I can do is offer. And we definitely spend a lot of time taking sacred moments when something is just so beautiful, you can't help but stop and notice it. And then we just take that moment of awe be like that's like that's the sweetness of life this is our gift of being human so she's doing it a little bit more often Mm. so So beautiful yeah wow and our dog recently passed and we would walk to school every morning and the sun would be at our back so our shadows would be long on the ground and our our dog had these floppy ears and they would go, you know, like this in the shadow in between our, um, our shadows, our long shadows. And in the past few mornings, we would just be walking and she's like, do you feel him, mom? I'm like, yeah. Can you see that? Can you see his shadow? And I'd be like, yeah, we, you can feel him. You see it. It's still there. The impression is so, so strongly there. So just feeding that. What's your dog's name? Um, his name is Ollie. Ollie, Ollie. Ollie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We put him down between the two eclipses. It was really powerful week for us. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, he, he was quite the master. <laughs> he was all of our teachers for sure. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, Teresa, we need to wrap it up here, but what, what words of wisdom would you like to, to share today? Or what would you like to shout to the world? Mm. A friend of mine reminded me of something that took me all the way back to my Christian roots. And I think it came from Jesus or it was in the Bible and it was be here and know. And um, that's like the biggest thing that keeps coming back to me is Mm. learning how to drop in to the B, which is the now, and here, which is like the presence, presence with whatever is in front of you, whether it be your loved one, um, just the trees, the wind happening, you know, even if it's a, a feeling of agitation, just being here with it. And if you take the time 
whether it's just a few minutes a day to pull yourself out of what's like the, the jazz, I call it the jazz of life and just taking and saying to yourself, be here. And then you'll know, especially when you need to know something for yourself or know the truth of a situation, taking those extra moments to just be here and know and know the presence of your true self, know your inner wisdom. And most recently I've heard the term your inner physician, the the uh, the doctor or the the all knowing that knows what might be going on inside or what what that symptom is about. So yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Well thank you so much for coming on today. And I want to thank Marissa Dwyer for, for pushing both of us. <laughs> to do this. You and should have her on. She's quite a wise yeah, woman. Yeah, she is. She is at that. So people want to find you if you want to be found. How would they go about doing that? Um, I haven't really made myself very findable. Um <laughs> and when I'm ready to, I will. But okay. you can you can reach me through just my Gmail. Right, which, right. Um is massage telluride at gmail.com. Right. is a good way to if you want to shoot me any any of your wisdom <laughs> <laughs> wonderful well thank you thank you and um i'll i hope to see you until you're right around christmas i'll be back around then wonderful marla yeah. thanks Appreciate okay it. thanks so much bye-bye bye, -bye. bye. Thank you so much for listening in today. If you want to learn more about the show, you can find us at interviewswithinnocence.com and on Facebook or Instagram at interviewswithinnocence. Please write me a message. Tell me what you liked and let me know what else you would like to hear. I would love to hear from you. And if you liked what you heard, please leave us an iTunes rating and review. It helps other listeners find the show. Thank you. Thank you.